the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning. Once again, number two is underway. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this Thursday. It's the 19th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Coming up, don't forget, at 1035, we are going to talk with an expert in the field. Literally, he was in the field. Major General Jeffrey Schlosser will join us, retired Army Major General who commanded the 101st Airborne for 33 months, including 15 months in combat in Afghanistan. He will join us to talk about this extraordinary mess in the withdrawal of American troops and the uh, endangering of American lives in Afghanistan. That's coming up at 1035, but now we welcome our good friend Dr. Everett Piper back to the program. Dr. Piper is a best-selling author. His latest book is uh, is um, Grow Up. I almost said Not a Daycare. That was the original, Not a Daycare, the devastating consequences of abandoning truth. But the latest is Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. He's also a columnist for the Washington Times, as well as a radio host, uh, in uh, a podcast host in Oklahoma called The Rebellion. Dr. Piper, good to have you back, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. Always a pleasure and an honor to be on your show. Thanks. Dr. Piper, two big issues that I want to discuss with you today, and one I know you did on your podcast, uh, The Rebellion, and and that is the Afghanistan mess. Um, I want to get your reaction. You, you actually talked about this, and then you posted about it, too, about blood on the hands of, of certain individuals, not the least of which are pro-Biden evangelicals. Um, so I want to get your, your expanded thoughts on that, but I also just want to get your reaction to what we saw yesterday which was the announcement of the direct abandonment of American citizens on foreign soil by the Defense Department. The Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, declared very directly that we will continue to transport Americans out of Afghanistan if they're at the Karzai airport. He said, we'll do this until the clock runs out, 
whatever that means. I didn't know there was a clock on saving American lives or until we run out of capability. But then he made it very clear they have to be at the airport quote, because, quote, I don't have the capability to go out and extend operations currently into Kabul. There's roughly 15,000 Americans stuck in that country who are about to be targeted by the bloodthirsty Taliban. Um, and the leader of the American military, acting upon, I'm sure, orders or in consultation with the commander-in-chief, is saying, you're on your own. Uh, if you get captured, tortured, killed, whatever, it's your fault you didn't get to the airport because uh, we can't go in there and get you. Um, how do you react to that, Dr. Piper? Well, at least we don't have any of those mean tweets, right? I mean, this is... I'm angry, and you know I'm angry, Bob, because I sent you uh, my podcast where I covered this, and I won't belabor that, but the point is this. Well, no, no, because our listeners probably didn't hear that podcast. Feel free to do what you need to here. Well, if they want to go to, they can just Google Everett Piper, The Rebellion, and they can get to it. It was, uh, I think, episode uh, 295, where... I talk about this, and I basically say, evangelicals for Biden, how's it feel having that, that blood dripping from your hands? Well, is that an aggressive statement? Well, yes, it is aggressive, because you guys, you evangelicals for Biden, you pro-life evangelicals for Biden, if there ever was an oxymoron in a moronic statement, that indeed is it. I am angry, because these people, on the very day, that Joe Biden was elected, if he was elected legitimately, and we'll never know, these evangelicals for Biden were celebrating by tweeting stuff like this, and I quote, finally we have a decent man in the White House. Well, how decent is it to leave all of these women in Afghanistan at the mercy of these butchers who are going to rape 10-year-old girls, already are, who are going to beat their women because their religion calls upon them to do so. And that's a fact. Don't tell me it's not. How decent is it of us to leave American citizens there at the mercy of the sword? That is what we're doing right now, because these guys, these evangelicals for Biden, can't think their way out of a paper bag and understand that there is no moral equivalency between being juvenile with your tweets, with maybe, in which maybe Donald Trump was, I won't dispute that, but really, really, you're going to put his tweets on the same moral plane as what's going on in Afghanistan right now? Not to mention all the other nonsense that's going on in the Biden administration with regard to destroying our economy, having inflation being at its highest rate in Lord knows how long. How decent is that? in terms of the poor people that can't afford to go buy groceries right now. Oh, we'll print more Monopoly money and solve that problem. Well, how decent is it to all of us who have worked our butts off our entire life to have a retirement set aside so that we can engage in doing a good work in culture, and now the money is worthless because it's being depreciated on a minute-by-minute basis. I could go on and on and on, Bob. These evangelicals who say, and I there's a christian professor out there who said i will gladly give up my religious freedom rather than align with a vile man like donald trump well great you just gave up the religious freedom of all of these christians in afghanistan who are going to lose their head i'm glad you're celebrating your decency i'm angry bob and with every right and justification i am too um 
Just to push back on uh, behalf of those who would argue with you, give me a response to this. What, what would what would be the difference? They may say if evangelical leaders uh, condemned Biden's actions, condemned his decisions, saying no, we don't think this is decent. We think this is bad. Is there any chance that Joe Biden is going to listen to anybody other than uh, you know his his woke die advisors anyway? No. And the proof was in the pudding before the election. Ideas have consequences. Ideas matter. And the ideas of the Democrat Party, the ideas of Joe Biden, the ideas of everybody that he surrounded himself with for the past 40 years are broken ideas. They're ideas of moral nihilism. That Every foreign policy discussion and idea that Joe Biden has touched for the last 40 years has been wrong. And we could go, Cal Thomas has a great article in the Washington Times, which uh, in 800 words or less gives you a snippet of all those wrong foreign policy ideas that he's held. Basically, the answer is no, because Joe Biden's ideas, his ideology, his basic philosophy of life is broken from the get-go, and therefore you can't expect anything other than a broken result as the, as the consequence of applying those ideas to situations like this. Um, you know, what's really frustrating to me, Dr. Piper, is the precedent that would be set here by the abandonment of American citizens on the foreign soil of Kabul, Afghanistan. If the Biden administration is sending the message, it's too dangerous for us to go in there and get them, so we're going to sacrifice them to the savages in the Taliban, what is to prevent and in fact, how would they not be emboldened in other countries to do the same? We have a lot of enemies with a lot of like-minded principles in African nations, in South American nations, in Europe, for crying out loud. Um, you know, much less in the Middle East, where they're saying, look at what happens here. You take Americans, the American State Department, or rather the American, well, the State Department too, but the American military isn't going to do anything to save them. We can do what we want to the Americans. Well, there's no question. If anybody doesn't recognize and admit that our enemies are watching us as we react to everything right now, from the from the fact that we've given up all of our freedoms for the sake of uh, trying to protect ourselves from a virus that has a 99% survival rate, we gave up our freedoms because of that, because we're scared and we want our safety. They've been watching that, and now they watch the way we react to this crisis in Afghanistan, and Red China came out. The communist China regime came out and said the day after this happened that Taiwan will not be protected by the United States. The proof is in the pudding right now. So when we choose to go back and reclaim our territory in Taiwan, don't expect the United States of America to do anything. And why, why wouldn't our enemies be saying this? We have sent a dramatic signal that not only will we not protect them in Afghanistan, we will not protect them in Taiwan. And frankly, we're not going to protect them in Portland or Seattle. That's right. Because we're, we're ineffective and we're, we've been neutered because of Democrat policies even there. So the current administration, the Biden administration, is not going to protect Americans, but they are going to demand that they protect themselves by getting shots and masking against their will. Dr. Piper, I'm going to ask you to comment on that after we come right back, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Okay, 1021, we continue now our conversation with Dr. Everett Piper, pivoting from Afghanistan and blood on the hands of those who supported the Biden administration or the Biden regime or the Biden campaign. Dr. Piper, a uh, little uh, trigger warning here for you. I'm about to trigger you. I know how you're going to feel about this. And not just to think about, well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No, screw your freedom. He and said not that just out to loud. think about, well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No, screw your freedom. The former governor of the state of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, dropped a lot of jaws and raised a lot of eyebrows last week when in an interview, I think it was on MSNBC, you heard him. He said, screw your freedom. Do what the state tells you to do in deference to the health of everyone around you. Wear masks, take your shots, screw your freedom. Dr. Piper, you made that the subject of your column uh, this past Sunday in the Washington Times. Tell me, uh, what's your reaction to what Schwarzenegger had to say before we talk about the science behind this mask mandate? Well, I was actually playing off of uh, our show last week when you, you asked me how I felt about Arnold Schwarzenegger's comment. Um. So I wrote my article, I wrote my column on that particular comment and the implication that he understood the science better than you and better than me, and that we should be following the experts and what they say about masks. So I went and did a little research. It took me about five seconds to do so. And Allie Beth Stuckey, a cultural commentator that everybody should be following, had done some research on this. And in summary, Bob, she points out the fact that Denmark and Norway and Sweden and Oxford and the New England Journal of Medicine and Israel, and the list goes on and on and on. All of these experts have done research on the efficacy of masks, and guess what they've discovered? From 2010 until 2021, All of these experts were telling us that paper masks and cloth masks being even worse have no noticeable effect in mitigating the spread of viruses. So what the heck changed, Mr. Schwarzenegger? Where did all of this expert information come from that now says that we must wear a porous piece of paper on our face because you say so, or because Fauci says so, that stands in direct contradiction, not only to his own words of just a handful of months ago, but in direct contradiction to all of this other evidence. Screw your freedom for the sake of wearing a paper mask? Are you serious? And you know I closed with this quote. The condition upon which God hath given liberty to man is, is eternal vigilance, which condi- condition, if he breaks servitude, is at once the consequence of his crime and the punishment of his guilt. John Philpot Coran. We must acknowledge that we do need to attend to the experts. I'll take a spoonful of humility. I'm not a medical doctor, but when the New England School of Medicine says, or excuse me, the New England Journal of Medicine says, as well as all these other countries say, and they've got the longitudinal data to prove it, that masks are ineffective. Why would I want to screw my freedom to 
comply. I think I'm going to honor Rand Paul, who, by the way, is a medical expert rather than Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> very very well said, and a good choice as well. Senator Paul is spot on on this. Uh, quick follow-up to that on two fronts. One, you used the word experts many, many times in your in your response just now, and it reminded me of, you know, the, the, the um, analysis, I think, that I saw. It was from Tucker and, and one of his guests on Fox News um, about the difference between experts and scientists. Now, that's not to say there aren't scientific people who are experts, and it's not, not to say that there aren't experts who are who are scientists as well. But as it pertains to masking and vaccinations, uh, the elite party, if you will, is, is they have abandoned science for experts. In other words, there are no scientific studies to back up what Dr. Fauci is ordering. There are no scientific uh, studies that prove what the CDC says is right. So they're just using their titles, essentially, and branding them as experts. This is what the experts say. They don't have the science to back it up, but they are experts. And so we've, we've essentially taken all of those studies you just pointed out from various countries and even many doctors here in the United States. If they give contradictory testimony to the efficacy of masks or um, the uh, the, the um, work that uh, vaccines do in stopping infections rather than just weakening symptoms and so forth... These individuals are not experts. Yeah, they may have some science backgrounds, but they're not experts. They don't carry the weight that our, uh, you know, that we want to place upon the experts that we are choosing. So science and experts are not necessarily synonymous with one another. Yeah, spot on. And the definition of science is the ongoing investigation of whatever empirical data we can collect. In other words, a scientist is always open to the question. A scientist wants to evaluate the new data and compare it to the old data and try to understand what's going on. That's science. That's not just driving a stake in the ground and saying, the earth is flat, we know it can't be round, and the, here we stand, we can do no other. That's not science. That's a religion. And in fact, C.S. Lewis covers this in his writing back in the 40s and 50s. He warned of what he called scientism. And scientism was the rise of the expert as the new priests of our culture, the high priests that must be honored because they say so. That's not science. That's scientism. That's a new religion, and that is elevating Fauci and others to some sort of priestly status where they can do no wrong, and we've got to pay homage to them and obey their every directive. Again, not science, that's scientism. And I said there was a twofold uh, uh, follow-up to the to the issue here, and here is the second part of that. I, I just saw this, this this morning. The headline here is, states banning mask mandates could face civil rights probes. Now, now I, I want people to understand exactly what I just said. States banning mask mandates could face civil rights probes. If, if we do this, the math here, two negatives and a positive, a ban on a mandate equals what? Freedom. Freedom of choice. In the state of Ohio and in states across the country, according to the story I just saw from a local TV station here in Northeast Ohio, the education department, the federal education department, is going to ask the ACLU to investigate the civil rights violations imposed by states that are banning mask mandates. Dr. Piper, how can freedom 
be a violation of one's civil rights. I would think that freedom is the ultimate affirmation of one's civil rights to decide for themselves. I know I've got limited time, but the, a Bible verse comes to mind as you're talking right now, and it's in Romans 1, St. Paul's epistle to the church in Rome, where he says, when you start worshiping the created rather than the creator, God gives you up to a reprobate mind. The Piper paraphrase, if you start worshiping the God you see in the mirror or the God you see on your flat screen, Anthony Fauci, or yourself, when you start worshiping the created rather than the creator, you can't think your way out of a paper bag. Good becomes evil, evil becomes good. Slavery becomes bondage, bondage, excuse me, slavery becomes freedom, and freedom becomes slavery. We reverse everything. We're lost. I love that you almost always have a Bible quote at the ready for any given situation. That's what I love about talking with you. Dr. Everett Piper, listen to his uh, podcast. It's called The Rebellion. Where do they find that again, Dr. Piper? Just Google Dr. Everett Piper and podcast, and it'll pull that up. Uh, All the back, I've got 295 episodes. I think this one's 295, but the title's there. So Everett Piper podcast or Everett Piper The Rebellion. I always love to promote your books and your columns in the Washington Times, but I want to start promoting that as well because you get a lot of very, very good information there, including uh, the one that your most recent one on uh, on uh, 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 masking, or excuse me, not a masking, but on the blood on the hands of the uh, evangelicals who supported Biden. Dr. Piper, great stuff. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk next week. Blessings. All right. 10.30, we'll take a quick time out here. And on the other side, we go back to Afghanistan, about as close as we actually can without being there, because we're going to talk to somebody who fought there, a retired Army Major General who commanded the 101st Airborne for 15 months in combat in Afghanistan. Major General Jeffrey Schlosser will join us on AM 1420, The Answer. This could have been handled. This actually could have been handled better in any way. No mistakes. No, I, I, I don't think it could have been handled in a way that there, we, we're going to go back in hindsight and look. But the idea that somehow there's a way to have gotten out without chaos ensuing, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happened. So for you, that was always priced into the decision. Yes. That's the commander-in-chief of the United States military. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that happens. I've been giving you my, my reaction to it all morning long. Now I want to look to an expert. If um, Jeffrey Schlosser was just an author, I would have him on anyway for writing the book Marathon War, Leadership in Combat in Afghanistan. But he is much more than an author. He is Major General Jeffrey Schlosser, former commanding general of the 101st Airborne Division. He did so for 33 months, 15 of those months in combat in Afghanistan. And he joins us now with reaction to this terrible, terrible chaos that continues to unfold with American citizens in very serious jeopardy in Kabul, Afghanistan. Major General Schlosser, thank you for coming on, sir. How are you? 
Well, I'm fine, but other than what's happening on the ground in Afghanistan, uh, you know, other than that, I'm doing just quite well. And I want to say thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. How do you respond, or how did you respond yesterday? I don't know if you saw it live or or, or later on, but when uh, when or when President Joe Biden answered George Stephanopoulos when he, when he said no mistakes, nothing could have been done better. He said no, nothing could have been done better. He said if there's any way uh, of of withdrawing troops without chaos, he said I don't know how that happens. I don't know how that would happen. What was your response to that? Well, I mean, we've done that throughout our history in, in America. We've been in many countries where there's been conflict, and eventually we've withdrawn troops. And we've never, other than in uh, my father's war in Saigon in 1975, there was chaos there. But I can't think of another time when there's been anything like this lack of planning, lack of execution, and resultant catastrophe. Uh, that's just my opinion. Well, that's what I'm looking for is your opinion, expert opinion, uh, because you do have the experience there. Now, um, the, the, the blame game has been, uh, going very strong really since Monday, since President Biden came back from Camp David to cut his little vacation short to give a speech in which he said the buck stops with him, but by the way, it's everybody else's fault but mine. It's Donald Trump's fault for negotiating an agreement uh, to withdraw uh, with 2,500 troops left behind. He said it was the Afghan military's fault. Their defense forces just laid down their weapons and ran. They didn't want to fight, and we can't support anybody who doesn't fight. But then he also said it's the intelligence community's fault. He said because there's no way we could have known this was going to happen. The intelligence community did not let us know that this could happen as rapidly as it did. The intelligence community is responding to that and saying we absolutely did, and they're quoting chapter and verse as to what they warned the president of. So I guess the long that was a long way of asking you this. Is President Biden competent enough to be the commander-in-chief of this military? Well, you know, I, I think, let me just say it this way. I mean, you know, I'm a retired military general, and so let me critique this overall thing without directly, you know, you know, either knocking the president himself or whatever. Let me just say it this way. You know, um, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing here in Washington. You know, my office is in here. Thank God I get to get out and go to Utah uh, on the weekends. But um, there's going to be finger pointing. I think that over time there will be hearings and investigations that will indicate that not only did the intelligence agencies predict this and say it was probable, but so did the uniform and probably the, the civilian side of the Department of Defense. It's one thing to make and say that as an analysis. It's another thing to be heard and then heated. And, uh, and I think, you know, uh, the buck stops here. Yeah, it's going to stop at a very high level. You know, uh, in my belief, uh, this was a personal decision from somebody like the president uh, to do this, regardless of uh, what the advice was, whether it was military advice or intelligence advice. Let me just say it that way. Um, you know, I, it, do I critique it? Hell yeah. Excuse my language. Um, this is not the way that America acts. This is not the way that America uh, should treat its ally from 20 years. I remember this ally helped us uh, take back over a country that was harboring al-Qaeda who attacked our country in 9-11. Um, this is just not the way it should have occurred. We are talking with uh, Major General Jeffrey Schlosser, who uh, commanded the 101st Airborne for 33 months, 15 of those in combat in Afghanistan. He's also the author of an important book we'll talk about in a moment. But... Um, I want to raise the stakes on my question about his competency, and I understand if you don't want to say it specifically, but his competency as commander-in-chief. 
Uh, his defense secretary, his hand-picked defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, uh, said this yesterday about uh, the Americans, and there are somewhere between ten and 15,000 Americans, I believe, uh, who are still in Afghanistan, who are trapped there, quite literally trapped there. And his, uh, his uh, defense secretary said, basically, they're on their own. I'm looking for the audio clip here, and it's escaping me at the moment. My apologies. But he basically said, they're on their own. I can get you out, and I'll give you a ride home if you get to the Kabul, to the Karzai uh, airport in Kabul. But quote, I don't have the capability of going into Kabul to get people. That sounds like a direct abandonment of American citizens in a nation that they just turned over to a bloodthirsty, savage, uh, uh, laden group of Taliban. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, see, I didn't catch that clip. Uh, what I, I do understand, because I've had other questions on some shows this morning, is, is I think that the chairman, General Milley, actually said uh, something different, which is he said, you know, if you change my mission, we can get people out no matter what. Um, my belief is, is that, uh, you know, yes, it's extraordinarily challenging and difficult based upon the decisions that have already been made. I mean, we did some crazy stuff. We closed down Bogdan Airfield. That was my, my headquarters, by the way, um, which was the largest airport to be able to get uh, secure, to be able to get all these American citizens and then the Afghans that supported us out of the country. We closed that down early in this withdrawal. Mm-hmm. We took out the, the, the actual planning team and the four-star commander, and they left uh, last month. Uh, well prior to the conclusion of this thing. They were the ones that could have helped plan this whole thing in a better, much more deliberate way. So, I mean, those two things right now, without that, it's going to be definitely, it's going to be challenging. I I understand probably what Secretary Austin meant to say, uh, but I also understand... But let me, I I do have the clip here for you, Major General. Let me play this for you so that you can respond to it in uh, in its real context. I mean, you're still saying you're focused on the airfield. These people can't get into the airfield. Well, we're going to do everything we can to uh, continue to try to uh, deconflict uh, and and create uh, uh, passageways for them to get to the airfield. I don't have the capability to go out and and extend operations currently into uh, into uh, Kabul. And and where do you take that? I mean, how far can you extend into Kabul? You know, and uh, and and how long does it take to flow those forces in to be able to do that? So, Major General, that's that's the the full context there in which he said, I don't have the capability of going in there. And I think that's the problem that many people, including military experts, of which I am not one, but military experts that I have heard saying this is exactly why this was so botched. That should have been handled and taken care of before the final withdrawal of our troops. That way you don't have to try to reinsert troops into what is now a hot zone that is filled with Taliban who are running the area and instead pleading with them the the the, uh, the defense secretary literally said we're trying to asking uh, and counting on the kindness of the Taliban to provide passage to the airport for American citizens it's it's unconscionable yeah, yeah I totally agree I mean I, what I would say is, is it's bizarre um, you know I mean that's not the way you know uh, you do these kind of operations I do understand the limitations that we are doing if we're gonna if we are going to you know, uh, have to ask the Taliban, Mother May I, for everything, then we are going to severely limit any kind of effectiveness on the ground there at, at Kabul. Um, I do think that there were some hints by the chairman, you know, that 
you change my mission, then I'll go back and I can do a lot of different things. I mean, let me just lay it on the ground. This is not going to happen, by the way. I don't think so under this president. But we could clearly go back and seize uh, uh, Bagram Airfield uh, and expand uh, that perimeter out you know, significantly. Uh, would it take a lot more troops? Probably not. It would take some more troops. Uh, but I just don't sense politically that that's going to happen. This was a political decision. This was not a military decision uh, to, uh, to do this. Uh, and I have to say, whoever planned it, I don't know who it was, but it's, a, it's clearly a botched operation from the start. Um, I do think it's going to be really hard to get all these citizens out and all these uh, uh, Afghans who helped us. I, I, what I would predict is, is that eventually we're going to fold up operations in Kabul, and there's going to be a whole lot of folks left in that country, and they're going to go out through the borders, either through smuggling or over the mountain trails at night uh, at great uh, you know, uh, potential uh, you know, for uh, uh, getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that's what's going to happen over a period of time. Um, and there'll be hearings about this, obviously. There'll be investigations. Uh, you know, we'll take a hard look at each other, I, I suppose, and after the finger-pointing ends. Uh, but I'm not so sure that uh, that's going to happen soon. Major General Schlosser, how uh, concerned should we be from a national security standpoint here at home with the release of thousands of al-Qaeda fighters from Bagram, which we are told happened, um, you know, we have, uh, we have 150, I think is the last count, countries represented among those crossing our southern border illegally. They are just crossing, you know, as if there is no border at all. Uh, they are being welcomed into this country, flown and bussed to cities all over this country. How long before among those crossing are al-Qaeda fighters and other, other uh, enemies of the United States now that they have been set free in, in uh, Afghanistan? Yeah, so I mean, I think for everybody listening, you know, um, what's happened here is is that uh, I think we did a great job for two decades of holding Al Qaeda and other transnational terrorists down. We haven't been attacked in our country, but they were, you know, uh, you can kill the leadership, but it's an ideology, and uh, the ideology is aimed with a direct focus against America, against our way of life, against our economy, uh, as well as you know other Western economies and, and countries as well. They're going to see that happen where they are going to find safe haven in Afghanistan. Uh, and I'm not talking to the future. It's already there. They came in on the coattails of uh, the Taliban if they were in, in Pakistan, for an example. But as you indicate, I mean, you know, uh, three large prisons, uh, at least three, were, uh, were liberated, quote unquote, by the Taliban. Uh, one was in my area, former area there, Bagram. Um, and it held some Taliban, it held some al-Qaeda, and actually held some Islamic State. Um, they're out. They're out free. Uh, we should expect um, them to start planning. Um, what I will say is to American citizens, my fellow citizens, is don't be fearful. I mean, we are much better prepared in this country now uh, than we were prior to 9-11. But be aware and demand from your elected officials and demand from our, our government that they, in fact, uh, are aware, try to be aware of uh, this potential, uh, you know, violence against our citizens and plan for it. That's all they got to do, um, you know, and then when necessary, execute operations like we did against UBL in Pakistan or against, you know, literally hundreds of others uh, of al-Qaeda in that region, including Afghanistan, over the last 20 years. It's quite possible to continue to address them. It's going to be extraordinarily challenging to do so 
given that we've withdrawn totally from Afghanistan. General, the um, it's an unpopular opinion these days to say we should stay in Afghanistan. America is war-weary. Uh, it's 20 years. That's in your book, The Marathon War. It has been a marathon war, and people are tired of it. They don't want any more blood or treasure, as it is said, to be spilled there in Afghanistan. However, you just pointed out, obviously, they're going to be planning, and many of the same people who attacked us on 9-11 are going to be reconstituting. They're going to combine forces, whether it's al-Qaeda, Taliban, the Islamic State, or some new alliance. Um, they're going to do it again. So is it, it's an unpopular opinion to say maybe we ought to stay. You said yourself a few minutes ago that we've done a really good job in 20 years of holding it down and stopping any new attacks from happening because of our presence there. So is there any room for the possibility that maybe it would be better for us to stay there at least with a strong security force? I think under a different, I don't think under this administration you're going to see that possibility. Um, you know, it did happen before under President Obama where we basically, we went down to an advisory role in Iraq and most of our combat forces left and Islamic State seized the northern part of Iraq from mm-hmm. Syria and we sent troops back in and kicked them out. Um, and killed and captured many. Uh, I don't sense that this president's willing to do that in Afghanistan, regardless of what uh, we see on the ground from al-Qaeda. Um, other than, I think you'll see bombing and, and potentially special operations and things of that nature. I don't see us going back and reseizing the country. Um, so what I will say, though, is, is yes, I, I understand the forever war i'm a three generation and afghanistan guy and i wrote my book marathon war about gosh you know how can this continue um but what i do believe is is over the last couple of years clearly in the last few years we america has not been at war in afghanistan other than using air power to support the afghan army you know we've had advisors there no one's been killed in a year and a half uh from our american forces um but we provided from that the contractors, the air support, we provided the backbone to the uh, Afghan army. When we took that away, as well as our 8,500 NATO allies who left before we did, once we made the decision, that ripped the heart, the soul, the morale out of the Afghan army. Would it have been better to leave those advisors in and support with a, just really a minimal amount of air power and some contractors? I personally believe it would have been in the American interest. I understand the pull. Two-thirds of America think that we should not be in Afghanistan. I got it. Forever war. I don't want to have a marathon war. I don't want to have a forever war. Uh, but it comes down to, you know, making sure our next generation, I have grandkids. I don't want them to have a 9-11 on their watch, right? Right. Um, uh, it, it, it baffles me. Uh, you know, one, I mean, we could have just said, hey, the war's over. All we're doing is advising, and we've got some air power here. In America, you know, citizens, don't worry about it. We've got it. And that's why you have the military. That's why we have tens of thousands of folks still in Germany, soldiers and Marines in Japan. We've got soldiers in uh, Germany, tens of thousands. We've yeah, got them in Korea, Kuwait. We've got them South Korea Korea as well. Korea. We have them all over the place. Yeah. And it's nobody calls those forever wars. Those are just bases staffed with, with soldiers and Marines and sailors to protect uh, you know, the interest, our interest there, and to make sure that a, a larger issue does not arise because of our absence. It's not a forever I could war. not have it's said just, it better, Bob. You yeah. said it perfectly. That's exactly it. 
Well, General, I really appreciate it. Listen, uh, I want people to buy your book. I want people to look at Marathon War Leadership <laughs> in Combat of Afghanistan, uh, a rare insight into the, uh, into the thoughts of the national decision makers, including President Bush, who sent us in in, uh, December, or, excuse me, in November of 2001, and then every member of the military leadership that made decisions all the way through the last 20 years. Uh, so I want to make sure that everybody, everybody checks that out. And uh, Major General Jeff Slosher, thank you so very much for coming on and explaining it to us uh, uh, from the vantage point of the expertise that you carry. Thank you, sir. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. 1054, right back after this. Okay, 1057, my thanks to our great guests today. Terrific stuff from Jonas Schultz, Dr. Everett Piper, and you just heard Major General Jeffrey Schlosser, a man with the expertise to speak on the uh, issues that we are discussing today. Let's go to Steve, though. Uh, Steve is in Collinwood. I don't have a ton of time here. Steve, but go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, the political situation is that if the, ta- if the Taliban uh, are recognized as the legitimate government of Afghanistan, which is what they're trying to do, they'll uh, be able to get $10 billion that's in the Afghan National Treasury. So they'll be able to function right now. They can't. And uh, if we will negotiate or, you know, uh, uh, recognize a regime like the Taliban, then we would have no business in saying that we could uh, continue with sanctions on a country like Iran. Which is also the same thing, run by you know a terrorist organization. If left, if left to the Biden administration, they will absolutely recognize them as the actual national government of Afghanistan, not a terror state running uh, that that essentially stole power in Afghanistan. And better yet, thank you for the call, Steve. Better yet, or worse yet. While they may recognize them as the official government of Afghanistan, they don't recognize them as an official terror group. Do you know that? They're not a designated foreign terrorist organization, according to the United States State Department. That's why they have Twitter accounts. Twitter allows the Taliban to have a Twitter account. They won't let Donald Trump have one, but let the Taliban have one because they're not considered a terror group. Chew on that for a little bit. Thanks for the time today. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.